Welcome to the Our Definition of Success podcast, where we find out what success truly means to different people and how they have achieved their own definition of success. My name is Desmond Nero, and today I chat with Chrisanne Palm. She is a lecturer in accountancy at Queensland University of Technology. Chrisanne is passionate about teaching and learning. She was awarded the QUT Vice Chancellor's Performance Award in Teaching Excellence. Welcome, Chrisanne. Good morning. Or should Dr. I say Dr. Chrisanne Palm? Uh, I'll, I'll happily <laughs> accept that. Thank you. Chrisanne is also a good friend of mine, so this is such an honor and pleasure having my good buddy in studio with me today. Now, Chrisanne, give us your backstory, because I know it's such a good one. Oh, uh, okay. Where should I start? Now, um, I'm approaching 40, so I'm, yeah. if I'm going to live um, for another, or oh, live to about 80, so I'm Oh, almost approach my halfway mark. So I was reflecting where I have been mm. this last thirty something years. Yeah. Um, I was born in China, okay. and but my family moved to Hong Kong when I was three. Mm. And when we um, moved to Hong Kong, my family of five lived in a shoebox size apartment. Okay. With three other families, so imagine a crowded small space with twelve people. Yeah. And that's. That's how um, I grew up in the first three years in Hong yeah. Kong. And I, um, both my parents worked very, very hard. They worked multiple jobs, um, in factory, a street hawker, whatever jobs they could get yeah. um, to sustain us, to support us. And I, I, can't, I think um, seeing the way my parents work in those formative years of my yeah. life, I learned to... I guess ex- um, appreciate things much more, perhaps, yeah. of compared with my sons yeah, yeah. living in Australia, and um, yeah, and learn that well. If you want something, you need to work hard. For sure, for, for sure, to, to get it. So I'm not um, quite comfortable asking things. I yeah. know that well. If you want something, work hard, study hard, and um, yeah, you, you have to put an effort to, to get what you want. Um, so I think this sort of, because we'll be talking about money habits yeah, and things yeah. like that, I think this is the way that my background influenced a lot of the way of my relationship with money, if you like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's my, that's my years, um, my formative years, and I was very lucky. Um, my dad started a business um, yeah. when I was about ten, and started in a my the home business, so to speak. Yeah. And I, as a young child, I saw how he interact. He was on the phone constantly with people, people in China doing some trade deal. And I kind of learned some business skills, if you like, from those early years, just witnessing what my dad did. And, um, and thankfully, the business took off. And um, yeah, so nowadays, I think I'm very thankful that the family, um, I won't say we're well off, but yeah. at least we're not struggling. And I'm forever grateful for that. Hard work, as you said before. Mm. Hard work, mm. hard work. Now, and that leads me into our next question. How did you discover your passion for lecturing, especially in the interesting fields of accountancy, superannuation, and personal finance? I'm gathering it has a bit to do with your story. <laughs> Just gathering. <laughs> yeah, well, I teach, um, I lecture in first year accounting. Yeah. And um, and it's sort of, uh, I didn't actually pursue an academic career. I was an accountant, oh. I was a CPA. Um, but I, I um, 
when I came to Australia, I had a scholarship okay. uh, um, from Hong Kong, and I came to study at UTS, University of Technology, mm. Sydney. And my very first lecture in accounting, so my introductory accounting course, the lecturer, I still remember him vividly, um, Alex Smelly, he's now the president of CPA Australia. Wow. So 20 years ago, he was my first year accounting lecturer. Mm. And he made accounting sexy. Oh, like, <laughs> so, okay, that's a new revelation, making accounting sexy. Wow, making okay. Sexy. That's okay. his catch. And I mean, uh, in the past, I mean, we, we did a bit of bookkeeping, of course, their debit and credit, their technical, yeah. boring stuff. But behind the, the numbers, there's a story. Okay. And Alex really make it fun to learn. And he he inspires us to see the big picture, if you like. That's interesting. Yeah, so I guess I caught the bug of accounting okay. from my first year um, accounting course 20 years ago. And... Um, Actually, I ran into someone at, um, from CPA last week in my, my uni's function, and I t- retell him that story. Oh, wow. And he said, well, I'll definitely tell Alex his boss. And um, anyway, so I guess now that I am a lecturer in first-year yeah. accounting, I have a role model. Okay. Um, and I wanted to also try and inspire that in my students. I mean... Their first-year student come, came straight from high school, probably don't know very much about what they wanted to do yeah. in life or in study. Um, and I told them um, that, well, what you're doing in this course, in first-year accounting, um, yes, there's the technical aspect, but the decision-making aspects of accounting, about the numbers. If you kind of click, if you can use some of that um knowledge you learn you can immediately start to i guess say pick the right stock okay. in the share markets yeah um, i tell them the story about passive income active yeah. income and how to i guess start thinking about creating wealth and maintaining managing wealth from first year accounting that is that is brilliant and i think so many people can identify with that so many people so what is the best part of your job well the best part of my job is um uh coming to the classroom and seeing the the eyes oh. clicking like the light bulb moment i yeah. call it um oh someone said oh is that what it is now i get it and yeah. It doesn't happen every day, of yeah, course, yeah. but um, it's nice when you see that interaction, when you see that what you're doing probably have some impact in yeah. someone's life, and yeah. um, that's the very rewarding and part. And it's also giving them people understanding about money and how to deal with um, the challenges of money, because mm. money can either make or break people. Yes. And it's such an important, pivotal part of living mm. yet sometimes we don't know how to manage our money yeah, so yeah. interesting um yeah there is a saying that uh, money can't buy happiness yeah which i totally agree but at the same time i think it is quite difficult for someone to be happy if they could they're struggling they, yeah if yeah. they're living in poverty let's say good the, point the Maslow hierarchy of needs yeah. you need yeah. to satisfy the psycho psycho physiological yeah. needs you have to have food on the table true percent um have a roof yeah over, over your, your head. head and um if you if if you can't manage money well that's probably harder to be 
be feeling well well being. And they say right. money buys freedom. Mm. 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 <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I know, I know, right? So um what are some of the most common financial mistakes we all seem to make in our everyday lives? Now people got really excited when I said I was gonna interview you because my my questions are all aimed at people's questions yeah so i'm an ambassador for the people today <laughs> great well i won't claim i'm a money guru yeah, yeah, at yeah, all yeah. i'm just um reflecting from my experience my um some of my lectures in personal finances yeah. i think one of the biggest mistakes and nowadays with credit cards being oh. so popular accessible accessible that's the word um there is great things about credit card i put all when i purchase even the smallest thing, if the shops have uh, accept credit cards, I'll settle it with my credit cards, which is great, convenience, you don't need to carry a lot of cash. But the catch is, um, to make the most of credit card, you really need to pay your balance in full by the due date every month. So, you know, you, you get your credit card statement sent from your bank at the end of each month, the good habit is to have a quick glance of all okay. the purchases, of course, making sure there's no surprises, yeah. no one okay. fraud your card. And you can use in your credit card for free if you pay everything in full by the due date. So the balance, okay. the outstanding balance every month. When you receive your statement, or maybe it's good to have auto pay as well so okay. that you don't um, miss the deadline because one or two days miss the deadline, you incur late fees, and then the interest rate, the interest is starting to incur the moment you miss your deadline. And you know how high the credit card interest rate is? Tell the us. The lowest is 13% to about 25% per annum. And the interest rate charge is compound daily. Oh, so, so it is, it's going to be very expensive if you're not paying your balance in full by the due date. Now, um, I think, well, we, we have credit card or debit card. Yeah. So we, we, we go and and settle our, our purchases by um, pause and people say, oh, credit or savings. The best things to do is to click save, um, credit. So ch- so um, pay it by a credit card. Okay. Don't pay it from your savings account because... Why? Well, if you deduct money from your savings okay. accounts to make the purchase of your fashion label or whatever, yeah, yeah. the money is immediately deducted from your savings account. Okay. Those money could be earning you some interest if they're oh. still sitting in your savings account. Although the rate, the saving uh, interest rate isn't that high, so average about 2%. Okay. But the money there is earning you some income, interest income. Okay. Whereas if you settle your purchase by deducting from your yeah. savings account immediately, those money doesn't earn you any interest. Okay. So best to charge it to credit card instead of savings or checks yeah. account. But charging to the credit card, the really good habit is to clear that to by clear the end that. of each month. Otherwise, okay. you'll be paying 13 to 20% of interest charge. But it's interesting that you say that, Chrisanne, because credit cards can also be such a death trap. Mm. Death trap. Death trap. Death trap to people. Mm. And 
the amount of credit cards that the average person has these days and then they just cover the debt with more debt and then mm. layer that debt with more debt and eventually they can't get out of debt because credit is so accessible to people mm. these days. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. This is a very actually worrying trend it is, we see, it especially is. in young people. Recently we've did um, a survey of Fershi University students and that's the sort of thing they're telling us from yeah. the survey and say, well, we... We just can't manage our debt. We've got credit cards so easily available on campus. On uh, orientation day, they've got big banks coming up yeah. to the campus, yeah. sign them all off. And then, yeah, Friday night drinks, Saturday yeah. party. So easy to just rack up. Just to up. rack up that debt yeah. on something. Yep. And yep. then, well, at the end of the day, how are you going to pay those debts? Um, yeah. By, as you say, racking up more, yeah, signing more. up another credit cards, balance transfer. Yes, that's um, that's some way to help lower your interest rate charge, interest charge. But eventually, you have to pay it. You have to. And you know what, Chrisanne? I was thinking about this the other night. I was thinking of um, when credit cards wasn't in existence and people only bought what they could afford. Mm. And now people are buying what they can't afford with the illusion that I'll just pay it back afterwards. But then when it comes to paying that debt, it's like, oh, I'll pay it next month. Yeah. And oh, but I'm just going to buy and rack up more debt because, and it's, I think sometimes it's a psychological buy and psychological vortex that people just fall into the financial trap of, like I said before, just layering that debt. Mm. all the time yeah yeah and it's a downward spiral yeah yeah it's the credit card mentality because it's, it's like it's not real i haven't really flock out the cash yeah so it's i'm just gonna yeah. buy some more and it's make, well it's the the big banks have make it so easy well you don't even need to put your pins or sign yeah just, just pay pass <laughs> yeah so it's yeah. Yeah, too easy. Too easy, yeah. right? Very easy. Mm. Um, and then how would you suggest that we build and create a healthy relationship with money? Mm. For, for people who don't really understand that having money, it, it, there's also a relationship involved in the two. Yeah, great question, Desmore. I think, um, well, to start with, I think good money habit see it as like a hygiene it's like personal okay. hygiene when you come back from outside you wash your hands okay. and do that i i guess apply the same thing with relationship with money okay I mean, um like started off with having a budget um it doesn't have to be a concrete yearly plan it could be just well what's the week what's the okay. week look like right. um start something small I think having a budget, it's um, uh, it's a good start because um, you kind of see well where your money come from okay. and where you're spending your money on. Are there anything that are excessive? Okay. Um, disposable income, disposable spending. I guess if you know your cash flow, okay, where it's coming from, where's it going, you're then more in tune, I guess, okay. to to know your spending ability. Okay. And then even if you have credit cards, you're more likely to be in control. Okay. Rather yeah. than let the credit card control you. Yeah. The impulsive Good point. purchases. 
Yeah. And I guess also, I mean, having the budget doesn't mean that you are strictly limiting yourself with anything. I mean, of course, we allow some leeway of, I mean, there could be some um, impulsive spending, yeah, yeah. so to speak, but not recurring all the yeah. time. And um, and having a budget doesn't mean that you're stingy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, life's too short. Of course, you have to enjoy life. But I think having the budget, it's, it's like having a roadmap in some way. You yeah. know where you want to go, your destination. Then you're kind of more likely to, to get there if you yeah. know your goal. And budget is just a tool. I love what you're saying about budget as well. Because when you're talking about budget, I'm thinking about how um, people... Uh, you know, everyday people as well um, as the so-called influential people, oftentimes we can live above our budget mm. and we can live above our means. And there are things in the world that become so attractive that you think, oh, you know, if I buy that, I will look like that mm. <laughs> or if I invest in that. Da, da. So it's incredible how we have just... Um, yeah, we're just living above our means in so many ways and it's causing so much financial heartache. Yes, yes, and stress. And stress yeah. and unhappiness mm. and, yeah, it's it's not nice. No, it's not. And I guess um, well, one of our personal financial planning um, uh, course, we, we had a small case studies that we developed and... We talked about goals, short-term, yeah. medium, long-term, young university couples, recent graduate, they want to experience the world, go traveling in yeah. Asia for yeah. six months, they have hacks debt to pay, yeah. they have credit cards debt, um, they wanted to start maybe thinking about family in a couple of years. So we get students to think about, well, okay, put those goals in a timeline where you want to be in two years time, five years time, 10 years time. If you if you can specify your goals and translate it in financial term, um, and then you're more likely to get there. You can think about, well, okay, so an example for this young couple in our case studies is that, well, the, the wife is um, doing part-time study um, a nursing course and um, in two years time when she graduate um, they want to go travel okay. in Asia right. so they know they probably need at least $20,000 in two years time um, husband is a recent graduate um, so so they know what how much they need well how much are they spending now um, they're struggling as it is now um, how can they accumulate 20,000 in two years time um, so they need to make some choices, sacrifices, cut down on their alcohol spending, yeah, yeah. cut down on their entertaining, entertainment budgets. So those small changes in their everyday life would help them get to their, their short-term goals. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of, um, I guess, it's a hygiene thing as well. Yeah. Oh, just have to go away every day. Well, yeah, that yeah. doesn't help. Yeah. with wanting to accumulate $20,000 in two years. Okay. So that's the kind of um, little steps that people can take to hopefully achieve, uh, I mean, manage their financial stress. And so that's like, that's having a clear vision, like having a very clear vision of 
how you are going to navigate your way around money mm. and how money is going to help you to create the life that you want. Indeed, yeah. And and this relates very well with what we mentioned briefly about active income and passive income. I told my student in my first year, uh, very first day actually of the lecture, I say, well, who want to be rich? Or hands. Yeah. <laughs> Up, I mean, rich sometimes it seems to be a politically incorrect yeah, term. Yeah. I said, well, who want to be financially well off? Everybody put their hands Okay. Well, I said, um, um, the best way to be financially well off is to let money work for you. Okay? Rather than you have to constantly work hard to earn money. Okay. So the catch is about this concept of passive income. So, um, it's it's pretty pretty much about investment like having assets like shares let's say you bought shares and the return from the shares in terms of dividends okay or when you sell it there's capital growth you don't work hard for this the okay. dividends come to you whether you work or not because of the underlying asset which is the company that you bought they work hard for you the company's okay. performance um translate into dividends income for the shareholders so okay. this is a form of passive income passive in the sense that it comes to you whether or not you put any effort okay now you don't need to work hard for it okay rather than active income is like well like me <laughs> being delivering my lectures i get income from my service so that's your lecturer. active income. that's my active income okay okay well active income um it's it's important of course you need to start somewhere um but part of my income from, let's say, from my salary as a lecturer, I put them aside. Um, I have a share portfolio that I started 10, 10 years ago. Um, it's, it's giving me regular income stream Excellent. in terms of dividends. And I, okay. I, actually, I don't, uh, I suppose, regularly review my yeah, share yeah, portfolio. Yeah. They're yeah. doing well and I'm happy yeah. to have it put yeah. aside. And occasionally seeing oh right some dividends deposited into my bank account oh, excellent that's pretty handsome excellent i'm happy with that so i i mean if i don't work as a lecturer i think the passive income in terms of my share portfolio some of my properties they're going to sustain me for for a that little is while smart so. though because it's like money making money exactly and you know what and this is interesting for people who are listening to the podcast and going you know how do people become richer mm. and, it, and, it, and it dawns on me that like you said when you earning an income be smart mm. with that income and diversify your exactly. income into different revenue streams that is going to give you a return on investment yeah and you so that's legal, why yeah, right. well. <laughs> you know what i'm loving this because we read articles and you know, we see the, the so-called, I hate to say this, but the rich get richer, yeah. you know. And so for people who are ignorant mm. about finance, because let's face it, we all are not financial gurus. We often wonder how, 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 yeah. you know. But it's interesting that you, you brought it home to us that the practical aspect of that is when you earn an income, be smart with your money. So well that put, it yeah. can work for you. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. It's like many light bulb moments going oh, off. And great. I think we need to have more of these conversations mm. to make um, people aware or educate people about how their money can work 
for, for them, them and they mm. don't have to slave as hard for it. Indeed. Yes, yes. <laughs> I love this. Now, what are some of the financial lessons that you've learned along your way? I mean, this is such an... Wow, an amazing career for you. And, and I'm learning so much and I know our listeners are learning so much as well. Um, but what are some of the lessons that you have personally take, taken away um, you know, from this amazing journey as a lecturer and just the knowledge that you've acquired over the years? Yeah, um, lessons. I, I think, well, um, I, I, um, I learned to love about investment. Okay. Um, and I'm not uh, very... How do I put it? Um, my risk attitude. Let's okay. let's put it. It's down to about risk. How comfortable are you feeling okay. about taking risk? Okay. And um, of course, you heard about share market crashes, the global financial crisis yeah. a couple of years ago, um, when the share market tumbled. Yeah. Um, it could be a scary things for a lot of people. You can see your your wealth shrinking. Um, but I guess for someone like me, I mean, yeah, I'm approaching my 40, um, but I have a long time horizon in terms of um, investment. I mean, yes, there is ups and downs in the share markets, but you know what? I didn't sell when the share markets go down okay. because I didn't need that money then. I mean, that's an important lesson, I guess, is, well, before you go into investment, First, um, manage your debt first. I mean, there's no point if you've got credit cards debt, incurring 20% interest, paying 20% interest on yeah. your credit card, and trying to have savings, putting into your bank, earning at the moment 2%. Okay. Right? So manage your debt first. Um, then also, before you go into investment, think about maybe there should be some contingency fund. I say okay. contingency. Um, so if something happened, you know that you won't need to liquidate your okay. asset, your shares or property straight away because you have that contingency fund to sustain you for maybe six months or something like that. So that, um, I mean, in terms of share market uh corrections we call it um you're not like everybody else trying to get out trying to sell when the market is low and then it just come back in i mean it it turns around and the the um i did a little bit of a research um and it say that for the last 30 years um the australian share markets um on average return about 10.6 percent per annum so that's your return. Imagine if you have, uh, you put a little bit of money in the share market 30 years ago, let's say $10,000. Now, 30 years later, it will grow to about $5 million, Okay. Right? Ballpark. Right? Um, so it is a handsome return. I mean, of course, during that time, there are many months when it's negative 20% or more but it doesn't really matter because you're not selling at those okay. times All so right. I think yeah good good lesson is feel how comfortable you are about taking risks and about, I guess young mm. people because of the t- long time horizon they can they can write out okay. the losses yeah. mm. and Chrisanne I'm just thinking you were talking about the GFC and taking risks what 
what have you personally seen the trend was after the GFC? Because people became very scared mm. of taking risks, especially those who had seen their wealth shrinking right yeah. before their eyes. Do you think that we that we've sort of you know over the GFC, or that we made peace with the GFC, and people are taking healthy risks again, or do you think people are still so scared? Well, I think this is um, the less it's just about share market. It has totally turned around since the down, okay. downfall. Um, in terms of people who have experienced the the GFC, um, I think it's it's a wake up call. Yeah. if you like massive. back then. Yeah, massive. back then, and and trying to look well. Debt. I keep saying about debt. Debt is one of the core reason that brought about the global financial crisis um so people were taking stock of well what level of debt are we are we taking and in a global sense actually the the underlying core of the problem that trigger the global financial crisis hasn't actually been addressed if anything the world is actually um incurring even more debt than it had um, and it's the thinking about, well, it's money printing machine, really. You print more money to fix yeah. some old debt. And eventually the bubble will burst again. And it's about the matter of time, I guess. Um, wow, I guess not. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it, it is a worry. A worry. Mm-hmm. Okay, Chrisanne, now tell me, is there any further financial advice that you would like to offer the listeners because it's been an absolute pleasure to, to have you and I think that these conversations I've said it before I think there should be more of it mm, to help you. people just build a healthy relationship with money because yet you know as much as we say oh we don't need money and you know money doesn't buy happiness it does doesn't to a certain extent but it surely does mm. help people to enjoy life a little bit more if they know that they financially um, comfortable. Yes, yes. I guess um, started perhaps with educating mm. um, well, ourselves first up, our younger generation, mm. we have children, um, helping them to, I, I guess, yeah, appreciate things. Um, living, uh, I, I guess, well, trying to curb instant gratification mm. probably is I important. get you on that one. Yeah. I get you. Um, the quick fix society. Yep. Yeah. Buy it and then the problem will go away. I know, yeah. yeah and I get, I I'm guilty you. of that with my young boys and, and they constantly bug me, Mommy, I need a new Lego. And yeah, like, no, no, you, you not just you, Chrisanne. I think all of us, all <laughs> of us. So, I mean, if we help our next generation to to develop good money habits, then we're going some way okay. into avoiding future problems. So okay. to speak. And yeah, get education. Um and also I guess financial planner or advisor, whatever the term might be. Um, for someone who are uncomfortable or not confident about money, try to speak to some financial advisors. Okay. Um to get advice, of course, get some guidance. Um it's like counselor. You go okay. in and talk about well, what are your issues? Um it's also like a, a doctor in some way. They give you a script. Yeah. Before that, they measure your temperature and mm. pulse and all that. It's, it's to have a financial health check. Okay. Um, it's important. Okay. Then you know where you're going and how you can improve your health, financial health. 
Okay, excellent. Now, lastly, what is your definition of success? <laughs> oh, this is a question I haven't been thinking a lot about. Um, I think uh, fulfillment in life. I mean, yeah. it, it could be very vague, but doing things that um, will enrich your life, mm. um, helping others, volunteering, um, enjoy family life, yeah. family time. Um, yeah. And yeah, I guess um, doing things that you know you'll be proud of and happy about. Oh, and you doing that most certainly. Chrisanne, this has been an absolute honour and pleasure. And I know that our listeners um, will take away practical solutions to their everyday financial problems. Um, and I think, like you said before, it just comes from a point of education, right? Just yes. educating ourselves and being informed about um, and being aware of our spending habits. And, and, you know, I take away from what you said is just if you could just be aware of how you're spending, you'll be aware of how your money is working or not working for you. Indeed. Just awareness. Yes. Just be awake. Yep. Yep. Awareness yeah. and then take action. Yeah. As opposed to just pay passing. You know, it's, <laughs> know. It's, it's been made so easy for us just to wave. You know. Yeah. I know. Just wave and go. Wave <laughs> goodbye to your money, literally. Yes, right. Yeah. Right. Thank you so much, Chrisanne, for coming in today. I mean, you've just really inspired us um, to, to really have a clear vision of our financial goals. So thank you so much. It's my pleasure, Despo. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much, listeners, for listening. Head to our Facebook page, Our Definition of Success, and follow us on Twitter. For more Our Definition of Success podcast shows, head to www.desmonero.com. Remember, listeners, the only definition of success is what matters to you. So go on, create the life that you want, and be inspired to reach your personal goals. This program is proudly brought to you by LateNightMedia.com. For all your podcasting, comedy writing, and hot steaming pod needs, LateNightMedia.com.